Thank you, Jesus. Lord, as we uh, go into your word here, Father, we break the bread of life. God, I don't stand here in vain. God, I, I don't stand here, uh, how do I say it, disrespecting. But God, I ask you to come, Lord, and, and present these truths that you've revealed to me. Lord, the truth that I'm going to present today, God, as you know, takes a lifetime to learn. So, Father, I praise you. I thank you for this truth as we're still learning it. Let this word go forth and take root. In Jesus' name, amen. Who likes revelation? Like when God just, whoa. It's awesome, isn't it? Sometimes we get that, right? Revelation, uh, as you read God's word and you hear that rhema word, sometimes I'm reading it and I go, wow, that was God. He just spoke that truth to me and it just takes root right away, right? But then there is a process that it takes a while for that to work out. And here's the thing. A lot of this message today is going to be tailored to the new believer, the one that is just really beginning, but yet God is so good, it's for a spiritually mature person too. The title of this today is sanctification. And I think the body of Christ is confused a little bit when you read about sanctification. What does it mean to be sanctified? Holy. I don't know uh, how many uh, messages we hear or how, how you read your Bible, but um, there's a time... And quite often in this church, you're going to hear holiness being preached and sanctification. How it's, but I think if I can lay this out for you, it will help you understand the process and the very heart of the Father in this message is to release his saints, his, his people from condemnation. And it's, if you find yourself condemned a lot, you don't understand sanctification. And I'm, I'm, God gave this to me and, and, and so quickly and so uh, revealed this to me, the sanctification process and exposed, see, all my life I thought that was my job, Right? You read the Bible, be sanctified, set apart, be holy, right? No, it's God's job to sanctify you. Ooh, yeah, it is, and I'm going to show you. So then that releases you of all the pressure, all the condemnation, just knowing it's God's work. But you have to be in a position to receive it. And I'm going to show you why we miss it. And these are the things that happen. Okay, so look at just two simple verses that you wouldn't think you could get four pages of notes from, but we do. <laughs> John 17, uh, verse 16. This is Jesus praying to the Father, one of his last prayers to the Father before the crucifixion, right? Look what he says. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. 
Thy word is truth. Now, why would he ask Father God to sanctify us? He didn't say, hey, help, help, oh God, help them sanctify themselves, did he? No, he said, sanctify them through your truth. Oh, hold on, listen. Sanctify them through your truth. How do we know? It's a, the twofold message. I'm going to put this in my back pocket. Here it is. It's a twofold message. Of uh, a twofold message is the gospel summed up in the words Jesus, uh, in the words of Jesus to the woman caught in sin. One, I do not condemn you. And two, don't sin anymore. So yes. This message is about sin. This message is about holiness. This message is about sanctification. Justification is the starting line of Christ, the Christian race. Being justified. Hold on to this. You ready? Here we go. I'm going to move fast. Justification is start, the starting line of the Christian race. And sanctification is the track. Picture this. Sanctification is just the track on which the race is ran on. Okay? The word sanctify means to be set apart. For those of you that don't understand that, be set apart. He's, he's calling. When, the first thing that Jesus does when he releases is he justifies and he sets you apart. He starts to set you apart. Not by... Uh, uh, a lightning bolt, not by a magic trick, not by, by his truth, by his word. That's why you, you, those that are in here, they're going to uh, attend the foundations class today. The first thing you're going to be instructed to, and the first thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to push you to the truth, push you to the word. If you don't have a reading habit in the Bible, you need to get to the reading habit. You need to read the Bible, the words of God, believing every word of it. Believing that it is God himself, that he wrote the 66 books over 1,500 years. Man didn't write the book. You have to believe he is who he says he is. If you read this word um, saying, well, this is just a matter of an opinion, then you've got the wrong heart when you open up the word. And it's going to be very hard to be sanctified. You, first, when you come to God, you have to believe he is who he says he is. That's why Jesus said, unless you become like a child. See, children, when they come, their faith, they believe you. They believe their elders. They believe if you tell them the, the, the sun is yellow and it's really orange. No, mom says it's yellow. Okay, have that faith. Anyway, sanctification is the process of being set apart increasingly. Now listen to this. Process of being set apart increasingly from sin and the world and our own self-life. See, we got this picture that you just automatically come to Jesus and you hear the good news and you come to him in desperation. 
you, you, you that know me here, you, you've heard me say this so many times. I came to God for completely selfish ambitions. I needed help. <laughs> right? I'm, I'm scared, God. My life's falling apart, God. I'm sick, God. I'm this, I'm that, I'm, I need help. And we come to him, and we get justified immediately, but we don't get sanctified immediately. So all of a sudden, the ones that are farther in the race, running the race of the sanctification process, all of a sudden has all the advice for the new believer that's just starting this sanctification race, this increasingly separation from sin. Sin is what? Going the wrong direction. You're going the wrong way. That's what sin is. That's why Jesus said repentance. Repentance means turn around. Turn around. Come this way. Hey, I'm the bridge. Come. People, all of mankind, you're going the wrong way. That's the wrong road. Wide is that road. It leads to destruction, and many are going there. Narrow is the way to eternal life, and few find it. I'm saying over here, come, listen. I will lead you down this path. So he prays this to God. God, sanctify them through your word and your truth. I cannot be sanctified until I know the word, is what I'm saying. It's, this, it's, it's just like this. The whole purpose of our coming to Christ is in order that we might be sanctified. Just as a, the whole purpose of an athlete lining up to run a race. If the athlete doesn't intend to run the race, why are you at the starting line? So if you're going to start this race... And you line up. It's pointless. It's pointless to even start it. It's pointless to even join us. It's pointless for the athlete to show up to a race that he doesn't really want to take part in. So God's purpose for us, like I said, most of us came to Christ. When I say me, I, come on, you guys too. Is there one person in here who came to the Lord just because you thought it was an intelligent thing to do and you were already a pretty good person anyway and you didn't need anything in life, you just came to the Lord because it made sense? No. We all... <laughs> now, even, even so, you're a pastor's kid, raised in the house and the goodness and the grace and under the altars of God, you still had to come to yourself. He still got to a place in his soul in the spirit, my kids, I tell my boys, you'll have to come to that place. I will show you in the way. I will raise you up in the way a child shall go. And believe with all my heart that when you're old, you won't depart from it. But you might depart a minute. And I pray God's protection because you're going to have to choose yourself to start the race. I don't just assume my kids or right with God because I'm right with God. I tell them, I don't care if you're playing the drums for God. If you're living in a house that's sanctified and set, it's my house. And as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I don't know what you're going to do with your house. And I tell them that. You choose. You're not going to heaven. I can't get you there. I'm not Jesus. This is what you do. You do right by men. You, you, let your yes be yes and your no be no. 
Raise them up. Worship God. He's the creator. So, and hopefully as they, and, and, and they have, and every child, uh, and that can start at this age, and it can start at this age. Whenever that starts, there is a point and a place that they decide to line up and run the race. And as you run that race, that sanctification start process starts, man. Come on. You know why you're so condemned? Because you think you're automatically sanctified because you went to church for the first time last week. You know what I mean? And then it's like, well, well, well I, got, I had a guy tell me, well, Steve, if I come to Jesus, do I got to stop smoking weed? I said, no. Why would you do that? Just read his word, man. Just get to know Jesus. Well, I could do that. I mean, he was serious. He loves that. He loved it too much, more than God. Well, but if I can bring it with me to God, I'm okay. I'm telling you, we're going to get right into that. How many of us are bringing that? Well, yeah, uh, you know, rocking back and forth. I say that because I know God. I know that I'm not the sanctifier. The church is not the sanctifier. God's the sanctifier. Right? And I'm going to get into what... What is sin? And why, why does this happen? So first of all, let me not get ahead of myself for the sake of time, go through this because it's, it's good meat that you're going to get here today. What is the purpose for us? What is God's purpose for us? So most of us, like I said, come with selfish motive to get some benefit for ourselves. Like I said, healing, deliverance, but we're basically escaping some kind of hellfire. Help, help, help. I need help. And God, and, but God still received us in spite of it. Later you fall in love. Think of it this way. When he gives us the story, the father of the prodigal son loved him so much that he welcomed him back, even though the son had come only to what? What did the prodigal son do? I'm hungry. <laughs> I know my dad's got some food at his house. I'm going to go back to him. He was being selfish. So he came to himself when he was laying in a pig pen going, man, the servants of my father's house even get served better than this. I'm hungry, man. I'm tired of sitting in this. I'm going home. And what did, we all know the story. The father said, come. That's justification. Come on. I love you so much. Come. That's how, God, that's how good God is. But it would really be sad if we, continue, if, if we continued the Christian life only because we wanted to go to heaven. As we understand more of God's purpose of our lives, we should long to fulfill that totally. Paul's prayer for the Christians at Ephesus was that they would have the eyes of their heart open to see the hope of his calling, Ephesians 1.18. Lord, open the eyes of their heart so that they can see it. Romans 8.29 tells us that the hope of his calling is whom God already foreknew. He also predestined to become conformed, us to become, let me slow down. He also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So God's purpose is that we might be transformed into the likeness of Jesus. That is what sanctification is all about, to become like Jesus increasingly. Not overnight, not the day you got saved. Yes, you get rescued from the 
the devourer. Yes, when I came to God, guys, I was so heavy. I was so uh, worried. I was so scared. I was so naked. I was so afraid. And I laid at that altar, and I mean, I got up, and I knew I changed. I knew immediately he's real. God, God can do that. And he zapped me, and he just lifted the burden. He lifted, and all of a sudden, I had joy when I hadn't had joy in a decade. I had inner joy, not ha-ha-ha joy. You know what I'm saying? I felt, I was like, he's real. Wait a minute. No, no, no. I was just like that. I came here. I, I prayed for help. I stood up. I turned around, and I feel different. So different that I ran out the door, and everywhere I went, I said, he's alive. He's alive. I was in the gas station getting gas. After I drove all the way there on an empty tank, below empty, I should have never even got there. It's like, man, I know God. I mean, it's like, you know, when you like look down and go, man, I've been driving for 30 minutes. I got no gas. That's what it was like for me. It was like I didn't care. I just, oh, God. You know, so, and I was it just, I felt it. It was change. And, and you get all these prophetic words and you go to prayer and Jesus starts telling you all the plans he has for you. Oh, he told me I had some plans. Yeah, I got plans for you, Steve. This, you're going to do this, and, and I, I'm going to and this and this and this. Because Jesus knows the beginning of me, and he knows my end. And he goes, you, why do you think God says, seek my face? Seek me. Seek me. Seek me. Because when you seek me to be like me, you start the race of sanctification. In short, being a saint, right? When we are saints or when we are with him. You are not going to be a saint until you're with Jesus. I can't even stand up here and say the saints of God anymore. You're, you're a saint in progress. We're not truly a saint, Austin, until we're with him. God, that was the revelation I got. I'm like, whoa. Oh, man. So when, when, when you're sanctified, fully completed, and, I'll, I'll, and I'll, I'll give you the word for that. So uh, as God's purpose is for us to be transformed, transformed in the likeness of Jesus, this is the Christian race. So next is finishing with sin. The first step to this race is to stop sinning consciously. Okay. Under the law, there was no exhortation to stop sinning. But under the new covenant, all the apostles are agreed that the twofold message of the gospel is exactly as Jesus put it, freedom from condemnation and ceasing from sin. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, stop sinning. John says, I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin. In John 2, 1, Peter also exhorts us to cease from sin in 1 Peter 4. So the Bible is clear. Stop sinning, number one. Stop sinning. Don't worry. We'll get into the fallen. Because this is what brings condemnation, if you listen to what I'm saying. Well, your priority, some of you, that, that spirit's already starting to condemn. Well, you, you can't stop sinning. Wait, let's clarify sin. Let's clarify it. What did I say? Consciously. 
Stop consciously sinning. A man that knows to do right and does wrong, to him it's sin. So I'm making a conscious decision. I don't care what God says. I'm doing it. Oh, he's just, he's working on me. No, he's not because you won't let him. He told you to stop sinning and you're still doing it. That's not, you're going against the sanctification. He'll give you the grace. He'll give you the power over it. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. He gives us all the tools. So after explaining justification by faith in Romans 5, Paul asks this question. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may increase? Romans 6, and again, with a greater force this time. What then? Shall we sin even once? Romans 6, 15, the answer in both cases is a resounding no. We should seek to not sin even once anymore. That should be your heart, to seek. And you know that's your heart because every time and I'm talking about sin. Now I'm going to talk about falling while you're on the race. Because racers fall down, right? We're running a race of life. We're headed, to, we're headed somewhere, guys. And you will fall. Okay? So that's, and that's when the condemnation comes in. You fell. And then shame comes in. And the enemy wants to come and say, <laughs> well, you might as well not even go down that church anymore because you know you just... Did that again, looked at that again, opened that up again. How can you go and talk about Jesus? How can you even be used by Jesus? Condemnation and, 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 and the sanctification process has blocked so many gifts in the body of Christ from being exhorted to the body. It's sickening. If I got up here today to talk to you in my own flesh and let my own brain worry, talk about what maybe I fell or what maybe I may have said or the fight I may have had with my wife or uh, the lack of my this or that, and I let all those thoughts come in my mind, I would sit right in this chair just like you and go, don't use me. I'm not worthy. No, of course not. It's Jesus It's a process. I consciously do not want to sin. I go out of my way to make sure I do not sin. And I think Christians get misjudged because you automatically think that you're just not going to sin anymore. Well, you're, you, you don't want to sin. I'm saying you know what you came to. Uh, here's a good way to look at it. What brought you to the altar and, and needing a Savior? Don't go back to that. It got you there the first time. It made your life a mess the first time. The Scripture refers to it this way. Don't be like a dog that returns to the vomit to eat it when you've been set free and justified from it. Now set your track on the race, okay? Here we go again. Does that sound like a heavy burden message? I mean, that's three scriptures that just basically tell you don't sin. 
Stop sinning. It, it, this is how Paul, I, I could see Paul there at the church of Ephesus. Stop sinning. You know what I mean? Because that's the way it is in the, stop it. I don't know what he was seeing or what was going on, but first of all, stop. Um, and it sounds burdensome. But it's only burdensome to those who want to keep on sinning. I can't, when you come to Christ and you choose to start this race, and yes, you came in selfish ambitions and you've seen a Savior, or maybe you haven't seen, God's, when he starts to sanctify you, that's why it's so important that I don't judge a brother. How can I judge where Austin is in his sanctification race? Because it's God that's faithful to complete a work he starts in him, not me and not the church. He starts it in each and every one of you. Your walk is different than my walk. Your walk is different, but we all proclaim to serve the same Jesus. We all have the same heart. Well, I don't want to sin. I'm on this road of sanctification to be set apart from the world. Ah, I can't do that. Been there, done that. I've seen what the world had. Nope, I'm not doing that. I'm willfully choosing. Nope, I've been a drunkard. Not doing that again. I know where that gets me. Nope, nope, I don't, you know what I mean? Nope, I don't do that. Oh, yep, lie, yep, cheat, whatever. Nope, I don't, no, I'm not doing that. And then we'll get into unconscious sins. That's when you hear people say, well, we're all sinners. Oh, it's a difference. Yeah, we are. I'm just not a willful sinner. I don't consciously try to sin. I don't, con I mean, my heart is to not let something stupid come out of my mouth. You know what I mean? But it does sometimes. And it gets me in some trouble. This, I learned this over 27 years of walking with the Lord that, that you arrive. I'm, I, and, and know my heart that I am trying to, to be sanctified. But I won't fully be sanctified until I'm with Jesus. And then now that makes it my, my, my calling complete. I'm going too slow. Because the good is to come. Hold on with me. Jesus was anointed to proclaim release to the captives of sin and to set free those who are trodden down by Satan, according to Luke 4.18. The glorious new covenant promise, sin, and man, those of you who know me, I love, the new, I love studying the new covenant. If you don't understand the new covenant, given to us through Christ Jesus. You need to research everything, study yourself, know everything about what this means to God, what the new covenant is for mankind, and it will cause you to praise Jesus. You will, have, you will truly understand when you understand the new covenant. The new covenant, um, the glorious new covenant promises, sin shall not be a master over me. You're not my master anymore, sin. No, you're not controlling me anymore. You're, you're not, I'm not under the law of the old covenant, but I'm under grace, the new covenant established by Jesus. The first step to victory is to believe that such a life is possible for you and I. Okay, so here's what I'm saying, and here's where many people get tripped up. This is where 
uh, messages like this is what get different doctrines going and get people all tripped up on once saved, always saved. Oh, I got a good word there too. I can debunk that in about five minutes. But I'm saying uh, that's where this all gets turned. This is where this kind of stuff gets turned around, the new covenant. The grace is so powerful. The blood of Jesus is so powerful. It eliminates sin. But I want you to get the picture of this. It's sufficient for those who are willfully not sinning. You're choosing to be sanctified and set apart by the truth and by the word of God. If the word says it, I do it. Right? So that sets you, that's the difference in someone that's willfully saying, I want to live this lifestyle and that's the way it's going to be. And I choose to be this way, even though I'm on the road of sanctification and I've read the word that says, do not do this, and I still do it. Even though I felt conviction from God above, that, man, come on, guys. I was a Christian for five years and still fudged my taxes. And then one day, uh, you're supposed to be... Uh, doing that on your taxes, son? I was on a road to sanctify. Oh, that's not a little sin. Ask the IRS if it's a little sin or not. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It took God to convict me, and I didn't know. It wasn't like I was sitting there going, oh, I didn't know. I want to get into that. Temptation and sin. There is a difference between being tempted and sinning. This is for you new believers, but I'm telling you, you spiritually mature Christians in this house, you're going to learn something here in the next 15 minutes. This is the meat of what I want to deliver. The Bible says each one of us is tempted by, by when we are enticed by our own lust. That's when you're tempted. It's your lust. So uh, when each one of us are tempted uh, by our own lust, Then when lust has conceived, the Bible says, it gives birth to sin. Sin is not born in our heart until the desire of our flesh has been allowed to conceive it. When Satan or the the flesh flash of suggestion into our mind, then we are tempted. So if our mind agrees with the temptation, then the conception takes place and sin is born. See how you have to consciously decide to sin? Oh, I didn't mean to. Well, oh, that's unconscious sin then. That's, that's, I'll get to that in a minute. Maybe I can release it here, but I want you to be thinking about this. Um, you're running around and you're doing this race and, and, and you, got a, you're, uh, you got a cat and a pig. The cat runs and slips and falls into dirty water. What does that cat do? <laughs> Get me out of here. What's the pig do? Oh, yeah, it's good. That's the difference. You got to be the cat. Man, I fell. God, no, no, get out of that. That's sin, man. Oh, no, get out of there. I don't want nothing to do with that. Oh, I'm sorry. It comes to repentance, honey, I'm sorry, or I'm this. I didn't know. I fell. 
I am pursuing sanctification. I am pursuing righteousness. I, when I say I am a Christian, I'm not arrived. I'm not perfect. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to mess up. But I'm going to forget those things that are behind me. I'm going to press towards the mark because I know that's what the, the, is going to teach. That's what's going to get me. And if you, if you think about what's behind you, you're not going to get to the end. How many of you seen people run a race like this? Who wins? I don't know. I'm not a runner, but I would think if I was running and I was going for that target, I would be beelining, and I'm not going to do that, as fast as I could. I'd probably trip. I'm 52, not 18. Come on, man. But anyway, I would stay focused. The runner doesn't look. I mean, watch those baton passers. They don't even hardly look. They're like, give it to me. Give it to me. Give it to me. I'm going somewhere. You know, they, don't, they, they can't be looking behind them. The scripture says, Well, here, let me go here. The, the, to be tempted, guys, does not make us evil. Even Jesus was tempted, but he never sinned even once in any way. And he was perfectly, totally pure. The scripture says that Jesus was made like his brethren in all things and tempted in all things as we are. He was tempted exactly like us, yet he never sinned. That may not sound very wonderful to some of us, because we may feel that Jesus, being God, could naturally overcome sin easily. But remember, when he was here on earth, he emptied himself of the Godhead. He's God. He emptied himself of the prerogatives of equality, equally, equal, being equal with God. He emptied himself of that and became a man. What did the word say in the beginning was the word, word became flesh, dwelt among men? He is flesh. He deals with what we deal with. So um, when he came to earth, although he was God, yet while he lived on earth as a man, he had access only to the same power of the Holy Spirit that we are offered today. That's why we are told to run the race, fixing our eyes on Jesus and our striving against sin, our striving against sin. Today, we can look at his example and be encouraged, according to Hebrews 12, 2 through 4 is what that says. This is Paul's words. That because he overcome each temptation that we face as a man too, thus he was become a forerunner, and an example for us to follow. That's Hebrews 6.20. This is the secret of godliness. Christ came in the flesh, and he was declared righteous in the spirit, according to Timothy 3.16. Although he had our flesh, he kept his spirit pure throughout his life. This is what gives us hope that we can, too, overcome because he has overcame. He has in, inaugurated a new living way through the flesh for us in which we can allow now follow him, Hebrews 10, 20. This is the way 
of sanctification. So it has to do with the old man and the new man. We have already seen how the old man was like an unfaithful servant who allowed the, the thieves to enter the home. The old man, however, has been crucified, put off, and buried. There is a new man now within us who says, Behold, I have come to do thy will, O God, according to Hebrews 10.7. You have a new man. You're a new woman of God. You're a new man. And you're, all you're saying is, I choose to go this way. I'm choosing to serve God. I'm choosing to, to not willfully sin as we encounter this. Yet we know that it's possible uh, for a disciple, uh, yet we know it's possible for a disciple of Jesus to sin. So I sat here earlier saying, sin no more. Don't sin, don't sin, don't sin. Paul said, don't sin. Steve, stop sinning. <laughs> you know what I mean? Stop. But yet we all know better than that. And that's where I, it's, it, So we know that it's possible for even a disciple of Jesus to sin, but there's a difference between a disciple sinning and an unbeliever sinning. Oh, there's a difference? Yes, big difference. Just as there is a difference between a cat, like I said, falling in dirty water, that's the difference. You don't want to be there. A true saint, a true one that's being sanctified, a true person, a true follower of Christ, doesn't want to be in the cesspool of sin like an unbeliever. An unbeliever doesn't believe in all this garbage. I like what I'm doing. This is my life. I'm living it. Leave me alone. This is all good. I'm, I'm enjoying it. Don't come mess it up. They enjoy what they're doing. That's why, um, you know, you get on all this uh, LGBT stuff and all this stuff. And, I mean, that's it, like, I, I mean, it doesn't even shake. It don't even cause me to lose one ounce of sleep, not one bit. It's disheartening when I see a church uh, promoting it in the wrong way because I think the, the heart of it is is uh, just being misinterpreted. But you got to understand, until the person is cho chooses Jesus, gets on the road and on the track of sanctification, they don't know it's sin. A man that knows to do right and does wrong, so they don't need you halfway sanctified to come up and tell them. It does no good. Go tell them about Jesus. Hey, are you in trouble? Oh, I don't care about what, what, what you're doing and what, or how you act. I don't care if you're married to a cat or whatever you're doing. How's Jesus in your life? What's he doing? You know what I mean? Be Jesus. You believe in Jesus? Well, Jesus, who's Jesus? Oh, man, let me tell you a story of redemption for mankind, you included. <laughs> I'm not Let God deal with whether he's cheating on his taxes or not. It's not for me to judge. I don't think I'm any different than that person in their sin when I'm doing that kind of stuff if I know it's wrong. See, the Bible's not, it's clear. For a man to know to do right and does wrong, to him it's sin. Why do you think Jesus gave you the power to remit sin over one another? Because God's already justified it. Put him on a road to sanctification and said, so if a brother sins against you, whosoever sins you retain will be retained under them, but whoever you remit will be remitted under them. In other words, I have the power to hold you in sin towards me. Oh, you offended me. I hold you there. 
I'm retaining your sin to me. And God's like, I've already, that's your problem. I've already justified them, put them on the road to sanctification, and I'm faithful to complete a work I start. But you're holding him. See, I gave you the power to hold sin one to another. You can remit or retain. We have that power. So if you hold me in a certain place and you've held an ought with me, that's why you think Jesus said, hey, if you have ought with a brother, go to him immediately and say, man, I don't like the way you tied your shoes today. It really offended me. You know what I'm saying? But we don't. We hi- Oh, no, it's good. I'm, I'm all good. I'm fine. Oh, it's all good. Oh, me? Oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? We're so scared of confrontation sometimes to say, no, man. It hurt me. It hurt my feelings. And we, we really, uh, that, that's the secret to that. But that's, that was free. That's nothing to do with this. Let's talk about sin. Um, now, remember, the old man, oh. okay, the difference between disciple sinning and an unbeliever sinning, just as uh, the disciple of Jesus has a new nature that loves purity and hates sin. Think about it. If, you, if you're Jesus's, don't you, you really want to focus, you really want to be pure, right? You really do want to do good. He's put it in your heart. You're like, man, I know now. I've been saved. Yeah, I want righteousness. I want, I want to live this way. I want to leave a legacy. I want to do what's right. I don't want to be known for X, X, and X, and X. And I don't want to pass this down to my children and their children and their children. I want to change something here. And I'm going to believe this word. I'm going to tell you something right now. If you're in a generation, a family generation, uh, uh, of, of uh, I don't want to say it, rock and roll and, and, and anti-God and not that rock and roll is 100% anti You know what I'm saying? You're just, man, my family's this way, man. My family would never, man, they would never. This church stuff, I never raised in church. My dad's dad wasn't raised in church. My, they all think it's this and they all think it's that. And, and, and you can look back at a pattern. I would, I would challenge you to look back at a pattern if, because I do. I come out of that. I'm a generation break, curse breaker in my family. That's why I can talk this way. My fam- I, was, I, w- I had to be pulled from my biological father as a child because of mob connections on the East Coast that would have put me in harm's way and very dangerous. So I was pulled from my dad, at, my biological dad, at two years of age and hidden. And later I was adopted by who I call my dad now, uh, my dad. And that biological father, anti-God, anti-Christ, his whole family, thugs, drugs, and, and mob mafia-type uh, Irish mafia ties, underground crime, the stuff Roger go, the guys you go after, bad people, destined to be bad. We were the, the, my family, my bloodline was those guys on the other side of town you didn't go with and you didn't mess with. You just, that trash. Back in the 70s, that's what they'd call you, trash. Some people know, the older people in here, trailer trash. Larry, that's what my family was. That, that trailer trash over there, that's what they would call us if there's such a thing. But that's what we were destined that, and, and, and then I was, even as I was raised, I was not raised in a, uh, being taught the right way to go in life. I was being taught in the way to go that man thinks is right. 
that the Bible says leads in death. I was on that rat. I was on that track, and I was doing good at it. I was just dodging prison, and and but I was manipulating everybody I could, manipulating my own family member, controlling whatever I can. It was all about survival of the fittest. It's all about me and my house and what's good for me and is this good for me and if it's not. And I would lie, steal, and cheat and con anybody I could to make sure I was getting my way. And then I met Jesus. And he started, he goes, I'm going to make you a saint. Now, Steve, it won't be completed until I'm with you. But you get on this road and run this race and get in my word and let my father sanctify you. And I'll bring you up and I'll mold you into my image. So 28 years later, you took a man that was raised nowhere near this, was raised nowhere around God, no, no, knew nothing about church and Sunday school. I didn't even know the story of Noah. And, and put him in front of you 28 years later, telling you about the goodness in this process of sanctification. I walked it. I lived it. And I understood I've been through condemnation. I've been through all those. I'm not, how can I do this? It, the ones that are pushing forward in the church of Jesus Christ are the ones that have gotten a grip on condemnation. Understanding that they're running a race and they're not perfect and they fall and they fail, but they don't fail God because with all things through Christ, are, they understand his word, they understand the cleansing of the blood. And, and then God puts his anointing on it. God puts his blessing on your life. God puts it on there because he's saying he's mine. He's, he's mine. I'm sanctifying him. So that, the difference is it's conscious and unconsciousness. So there's a difference between committing sin and falling into sin. It's important to know the difference for we can then avoid a lot of unnecessary feelings of condemnation in our heart. Listen, you're going to fall sometimes. You're running this race, you're going to fall. Don't believe the lie that you've got to be perfect. Yes, Jesus said, be perfect, be holy for I am holy. That's what he's saying, be sanctified as I am sanctified. Be holy as I am holy. Sanctified, set apart for a purpose that God has for you, just like he did Jesus. So you run in this race. You're going to be set apart. No, I'm going to be sanctified. Oh, I fell. Get up. Run. Don't abandon God. Don't abandon his word. Read your Bible. And that's where the, the, the hinge gate to everything I'm saying today is reading your Bible and prayer. If you do not pray, and you do not read this word, you will not be sanctified. And ultimately, you won't get up from a fall. And if you fall, and you stay down, you're going to starve and return to a vomit pit and eat your own vomit, which was the old man that died. And that's what you want to guard yourself from. So, And it comes down to, the Bible says that the one who practices sin, that is the one who keeps on committing sin deliberately, is of the devil. So listen, 
if you are willfully sinning, you're willfully sinning, I don't know if you are or not. You don't know if I am or not. I can't judge you in that way in your sanctification process unless I really see you stumble and say, man, you know, uh, Terry, if you'd quit drinking a six-pack every night after work, you, you'd probably get this way, you know, and really, you know, and, and you do Bible. But it doesn't help that sometimes we as saints leap the condemnation on people, you know. Don't be condemned. Is there anyone in here that willfully practice? You don't, don't raise your hand, please. Do you willfully practice sin? Just ask yourself right now in your heart of hearts, do I willfully practice sin? If that answer is no, then you're not a child of the devil. Good news. You're not willfully, I don't think there's one in this room or you wouldn't be in this building. If you willfully, maybe you're a sinner or you practice sin and you're not practicing it like a doctor would, but maybe you're doing some things that are not pleasing to God, but you don't know this because you've never read the God's word. You've never heard it preached to draw you to the word. We don't preach here for you to get to conviction. We don't preach here for you to get, uh, I, honestly, and I hope I'm saying this right, I preach this to push you to the word and pray. He will talk to you. He will answer you. He will meet you, and he will reveal himself to you in this word, and he will start that sanctification. God will start it. So be sanctified, be holy. It says be pliable, be in your word, and be in prayer. That's what he's saying. And God will sanctify you. What, is, what was his prayer? Lord, Father, sanctify them through thy truth and thy word. Your word is thy truth. So, I'm finishing up. There is, there is a, I'm right on pastor schedule. I'm finishing up. It's so good. Yeah, only got, eh, let me get slammed through this. Uh, conscious and unconscious sin. There's also a difference between falling into sin and having sin. To have sin is to have unconscious sin in our personality. Sin that we ourselves are even unaware of. Even though others who are mature, more mature than us, may be able to notice it in us, but such unconscious sin need never make us feel guilty. For God's word says that sin is not imputed when there is no law. That's Romans 5.13. This also means that God does not impute sin to us when there is no awareness of the sin in our conscious mind. I don't care if I can tell you it's sin to I'm blue in the face, but if it's unconscious to you, it's not sin to you. I'm a little farther ahead in the race. So I have to learn as a minister or a witnesser or you, brothers and sisters to your neighbors, understand how to present that in the anointing, in grace, that I'm a little farther ahead in the race, and man, I just know that that's not, you know, when, when, when my brother does this, it hurts his witness. Well, they, he may not even know what you're talking about when you say, 
don't hurt my witness. Who is the Jesus? Je okay, you've heard it said, the only people Jesus will know is the Jesus in you. When the Lord called me to speak, he said, Steve, you don't need an education. I was like, Phew, good, because I'm not good at it. He said, you just need to share who I am in you. That's it. I said, well, I could do that. You could deliver me of all kinds of stuff, Lord. He goes, tell people about it. And that's what I'm telling you here now is the sanctification process. You know, my shepherd, my pastor, Pastor Lonnie's a little farther ahead in the race than me. And he may see some things in me yet as a young, but he don't condemn, he don't, he don't, you know, he, he don't uh, say things or bring condemnation on me or, or he's, oh, uh, come on, he's your pastor. He's always encouraging. We should always be those that are encouraging you. Or you're running a race. You're running a race. You got this, son. You got this, brother. You got this, sister. Let's go. Let's go. So um, if, if Romans 5 says he doesn't, so we shall have unconscious, uh, we, we shall have unconscious sin in, in us until our day, dying day. That's why you always say, well, you're, you hear people say, well, you're a, you're a sinner. You'll, be, you'll always be a sinner. They, they're, that's, they're saying it wrong. And you pipe up and go, I ain't no sinner. What are you talking about? <laughs> right? Because the scripture says sin can't remain in you anymore when you're in Christ. It's because he knows you're sanctified on the race. It can't remain in you. It can't torment you anymore. If you fall, you have grace and the blood of Jesus to pick you up again and put you back in the race. It, it, the only time you fail or you're a slave to sin again is if you fall and say, oh, I like this too much. And unfortunately, we see it. I see people come in. They'll go through our foundations class. They'll go through all this. and They'll be on fire for God. And they'll get along that sanctification. And they will have their own choices to make. That's why we have a funny saying around here. If we preach the uncompromised gospel of Christ Jesus and him crucified, you will either run in of this place or you will run out. Because you won't be able to handle it. Because I don't want to give that up. So you just stay away. And it's so sad. But we just got to trust God that the seed was planted. And that's where the seed says sometime, some will see a harvest. So we know that what we do here and what we preach and what we teach, we know it's making an, an impact in eternity in that individual's life. We may not ever see the fruit. We may not ever see uh, that person. There's probably people that sowed seed in me as a young Christian. Uh, and I went through a backslidden state. In, in that, I did, I did do the fall. See, this is how I learned this, guys. I fell and got condemned. And just because I got condemned, I was like, well, shoot, man, I'm just going to start the bike back up and grab, grab a six-pack and head on down the road. I mean, it wasn't quite like that, but that's what it ended up in being. I threw myself into my secular work, got pulled away from the body of Christ. Got See, Satan wants to separate you from the body. A hand can't work unless it's connected to this body. My shoulder doesn't work if it's not connected to the body. You will never be successful in God if you're disconnected from the body. That's why a cell group or a life group at home never works and is not the will of God. I get my church on TV. I get my church, well, we just do it in my house. That's not God's will, just so you know. It may have to start there. 
Some people, may, that may be all they have. You live in 10 buck 2 Iowa. Nothing against Iowa. I've lived most of my life up there. It's kind of 10 buck 2 you know. I mean, I can, I can take you to some rural areas. I took a Northeast guy. My partner grew up Northeast, took him to Iowa for the first time. He's like, and then and he and I brought a friend from uh, Florida. And, and Rick from Florida, all he could do is say, well, I went to Iowa, and I turned my head to the right, and I seen corn. And I turned my head to the left, and I seen beans. Corn, beans. Corn, beans. That's his impression of Iowa. I said, you about got it right, nailed just right. <laughs> so anyway, uh, that happens. So mercy and grace, and I'll, I'll, i got to stop here on you. Um, mercy and grace, we are to told to come boldly to the throne of grace to receive mercy. It's when we fall. Our time of need is when we are tempted, when we are about to fall. Just like Peter, when he was about to sink in the Sea of Galilee, Matthew 14, that's when we should cry out for grace. Th that's just, just as Jesus stretched out his hand. I had this picture. Just when he stretched out and said, Peter, come on, that's when we need to be yelling, Lord, help. I need your grace. I'm being tempted. Not, I, I love to do this, and I'm going to hide it. You're, on, you're a child of the devil, man. If you're willfully sinning and you know, the Bible is clear. It's not my words. You are following your father, the devil. And that is not where we all want to be. Pursue righteousness. Be free from condemnation. Does this free you a little bit? This should be freeing a little bit that, man, I'm, I'm going to make some stumbling, but my, I, I, I don't want to sin. I'm not willfully sinning, and I'm running this race. And I know I'm not perfect yet, but God's grace is going to get me because when I'm about to fall, he's going to save me. He's going to help me, and I'm going to push into him, and I'm going to be forgiven, and I'm going to go right back, and I'm not going to let the, my mistake haunt me. I'm not going to look backwards. I, I, God knows I'm not pursuing sin. God knows that's not my heart to wake up every morning. Well, today, Lord, I don't choose to be Christian. I choose to be this. We don't do that, so don't do that. And that's what Paul was saying. Stop sinning. Jesus said, sin no more. Quit it. Quit waking up and consciously, if you could, we could translate this right. He was saying, Robin, would you quit choosing to do wrong? That's what Jesus would just say to you. Would you just quit, quit choosing to do wrong? Quit sinning. Turn around. Go the other way. And I have freedom for you. And I'll sanctify you. So... I'll leave you with that. I have, I have a ho another whole section on progressive sanctification, um, how Jesus taught the apostles. Um, I'll, actually, this may turn into a Thursday night teaching because you can really get into this a, a lot more, and I do have some really good notes on it. And uh, Jesus told his apostles to teach others. The law has become our tutor, tutor to lead us to Christ. And God, remember this, is the one who is going to sanctify us entirely. First Thessalonians 5.23. Those are not my words. These are all Bible scripture. He will be the completer. He is faithful to complete the work. He's the one that's going to sanctify you. Always remember that. All you're doing is choosing daily 
to pursue righteousness. It's 12.30. I gotta be done. Lord, let this message hit the hearts of your people. God, I, I, I could see. Uh, Lord, I hope I delivered uh, the, the notes that you intended. Lord, I praise you and I thank you. Lord, your word says it's able to keep us from stumbling. Your word says that it uh, can cause us to stand in your presence, in your glory, blameless. So, Father, I praise you and I thank you, Lord, and I ask you to, to, to let every person in this room, let this word take root, that they are more than an overcomer, that they're running a race, and they're going to be like a cat. If they fall into some dirty water, they're going to jump out immediately and get back on the track. They're not going to sit there like a pig and enjoy it. Lord, your mercy and your grace, we praise you and we thank you. I'm going to ask if there's anyone in here. I don't know the room. I don't know. There's many of you in here. I, you know, I don't look across and go, oh, he's here, she's here, he's here. I don't know. So I have to say, if there's anyone here that have, have heard these words today in some way inspired you to make a, a, a decision or, or to go a different direction in Christ, and you just want to signify that by the raising of your hand, uh, nobody's looking, don't worry about it, slip it up and let us pray for you. Uh, let me point someone to you that can, can, can reach you and pray with you, and, and, and it won't be dragged out. I know I went a little longer. We don't normally go this long, um, but the Lord had something on his heart today. You know what? The Lord said, don't be condemned. Quit condemning yourself. Quit thinking you're not worthy to be used of God. You can be used of God. Don't be a captive of sin, he says. Make a conscious decision to pursue me and my word and my righteousness, and I will sanctify you, and I alone Amen. And Father, I praise you and I thank you, Lord, for this day. Be with us all, Lord, as we travel, as we play with dangerous fireworks and all that stuff, Lord. That I pray over every finger and toe, every eyeball, God, that you would put your hedge of protection around every child that is looking on to fireworks. And, take, and God, they look at them with the faith of a child like nothing can go wrong. So, Father, we ask you to protect those families, protect us all until we meet again. God, help us be, have boldness to invite to heaven's gates, hell's flames. We know you'll have a powerful work there. In Jesus' name, we praise you and thank you. Amen.